electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Money starts right now, live from the Nasdaq market site overlooking New York City's Times Square. I'm Melissa Lee. Your traders on the desk are Tim Seymour, David Seberg, Steve Grasso, and Guy Adami. Tonight on Fast, Bitcoin's bear market down 20% as the entire crypto universe feels the heat. And things got so bad, Fundstrat's Tom Lee created a Bitcoin misery index. He'll tell us how it works and why it's flashing a buy sign right now. Plus, the report heard around Wall Street. Lloyd Blankfein could be exiting the helm of Goldman Sachs by the end of the year. But according to Lloyd, those reports of his demise might be premature. Wilfred Frost will be here with the very latest. But first, we start off with the major market rally on Wall Street after a strong jobs report. Uh, that was good, but not too good. Everything is awesome again. The Dow surging more than 400 points, rallying hard into the close. Well, the Nasdaq hit a fresh all-time high. And take a look at what led the way. It was the original Trump trade. Financials and industrials at the head of the pack with energy holding its own as well. And tech continues its major run, now up 10% in the past month. So putting fresh money to work right now, sticking with uh, surging tech, or do you stick with the laggards that uh, led us here today, like energy and industrials? Guy. So before I start, let me say, just when I thought I've reached the zenith of being wrong, I hit another zenith. I, I, of being wrong. I, being wrong. Uh, the pantheon was, of, of, of wrongness. Of wrongness. The wrongness yeah. I've reached, uh, I in, And in what just way? Last night I said, look, I said, if <laughs> we have good news in the jobs number, I think good news is going to be bad news. I thought the market would go lower. Here we are, 450 points. So my apologies on that one. However, in terms of technology, we have been sort of steadfast on a number of different names, and names that I think continue to have a moat around them. And what are they? For example, Red Hat, all-time high today. Lamb Research, we mentioned last night. They had a great analyst day the other day. Buyback, that stock up 5%. We talk about Adobe all the time. If you want to be long, Amazon is a synthetic way to play it through Adobe. That works in Salesforce.com. So although I got it dead wrong in terms of direction, there are tech names that, in my opinion, still work regarding. You're being, you're being a little hard on yourself. No, it's very hard. I, mean, it's 100% I, I appreciate true. the honesty. It's admirable, right? Well, it's, it's very admirable, and he, he's always very accountable. What I would say is these were fantastic numbers, um, and we had a little bit of good is good for different reasons, Guy. Um, first of all, the labor force got bigger. Um, what does this mean? What do you buy? Financials. First of all, financials, if you look at the XLF, that actually was the most defensive during the most turbulent times of this market. But with a payroll number like today, where you're actually drawing more people People into the labor force. We know that earnings are getting better. You buy the banks, and you buy the banks that are leveraged to this economy, the money center banks specifically. That's J.P. Morgan, that's Citibank, that's Bank of America. Citibank, to me, is the one that's still the cheapest valuation, but I think J.P. Morgan outperforms here. Yeah, I agree by the banks. I think you stick with the banks, and I've been very positive for a while. But, Guy, you're not super wrong because, like, look at volume. Oh, you're just, oh, like, on. wrong like this much. I think about our desk today, and I look at I've made phone calls to all the, a lot of the big institutions. Are you buying this market? Are you chasing this tape? And the response is no. We're comfortable with our positions. We're because holding most of them, them are probably and they're overweight equities. So where's yes. the incremental they're dollar? They're probably overweight equities. They're overweight. They're fully they're, invested right no, now. No, I don't know about that. I think there's some out. money on the sidelines, and I think the incremental dollar is going to find its way not into tech necessarily. They're comfortable with those positions. It does find its way into the financials. It finds its way into See, can you a lot of the energy and right material. Oh, and how wrong or how, how right he might be. Quasi-wrong. Quasi-wrong. But he's still handsome. 
whatever. Anyway. Right. <laughs> whatever. So I think you're right. I think that people are long. They're happy to see this market go up. We ripped through that 50-day mm -hmm. moving average yesterday. That was a coiled spring, waiting to get back to the February 27th high, 27.89, right there. But why, if you have a game plan that's worked for the last year, mm -hmm. year to date, last year, for the last two years, five years, it's tech. Tech has outperformed everything else. What came in second? Consumer discretionary. Healthcare, consumer discretionary, uh, financials. But what really did Steve, not happen? But I think the problem is if you're a generous investor, right, you're a, you're a generous asset allocator, you're overweight tech right now in a way that's so significant. We're talking about people watching this show okay, that want to know should they buy right now gonna, and should they buy for it's, it's the, a month, six months, or six years. It's the same question, though. I mean, are you, are you getting at the fact that people have bought technology, the position has grown so much, and so therefore now they are overweight? So now I look at it and say, you're right. So you're, gonna have, you're not going to have them come out of those positions necessarily. Maybe they asset allocate a little bit, but the increase incremental dollar coming into the market, I don't think goes to technology. How about, I think it goes how to late about who's the biggest growth. beneficiaries of the corporate tax cut? With that money coming back from abroad, now you get to put it back into buybacks. It's growth. Yeah. But, but, Global but, growth but is Steve, ratcheting up. I, I agree with that. But haven't we just breathed, have, having breathed a, yeah. look at me tonight, um, having <laughs> suddenly Friday. gotten into a very difficult period for the market. Right. And, and therefore, um, tech, which has been very defensive and has outperformed, why would you go after tech when now actually it looks like you're hitting on all cylinders? Because Sarah I would and like Tegan, to. everything is I awesome would like again. To, but en energy, for example, you Love get through to. a big week this week. So Cambridge Energy Conference, everybody in the world is focused on that conference. We come in at with positive, I think, dialogue between OPEC, U.S. Shale, we have a Saudi Aramco. You've talked about this, too. Right. Energy is so underperformed. The dollar is staying in check. Commodities are going higher. I, th I agree with you. There's a couple of, 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 of real headline uh, risks, or I should say risks to the upside for crude. You have Venezuelan sanctions. That's going to take um, crude oil off the table. You have the Iran nuclear deal. That's going to take crude off. So it should be a tailwind for energy. But energy has not been a laggard that's performed for a year, two years, or five years. Wait, so, it has not been a laggard that has been that it's has been performed. a laggard. Oh, it's for, been a laggard. It has, okay. not, has not So I would love to bet on them. Hold on a second. You've had a, a bunch of these EMP names that have doubled. I mean, the whole point is I think the sentiment in the space is terrible. Tech and, is and what we've learned. But, but I, 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 you could look through. You could be right for a month or two months or three months. I don't disagree. I, I don't disagree. But when you look at tech, it's so up let me 120. Ask, is there, let me is there any circumstance under which tech does not perform in your view? So, it, it, well, no. I mean, if the market's no. going up, yes, it's I a, think it, mark, the market is based on tech. It's got its back on the shoulders of these large-cap tech, both China and both in the U.S. Tech is up 125% for the last five years. Right. Energy is flat. I think so, yes, you could be right for two months or three months. Longer haul, it's tech. Look, I think the performance here today, obviously exceptional. I think there are very high expectations based, baked in now to expectations. I think guidance has been clear. I think street analysts have responded. And I think it's going to be challenging to really upside surprise the way they have over the past several quarters. So from my perspective, from an expectations game, I think that it's going to be more difficult for them to really keep that momentum rolling. I think we just need to be very clear also when we talk about tech. I mean, there's been certain parts of tech that have done nothing. Um, and there's been certain parts very of tech true. that have been heroic. I mean, the semis have been heroic. And I think right. they continue to be heroic because I think in the case of at least the high growth ones, they're in areas where the growth is so extraordinary. People are willing to attach any multiple they want. I'm not sure that's correct, but they're doing it. And then when you have the mega caps like an Intel and, and, and you know, even a Taiwan semi, these are the bread and butter of the industry. And, and the, the fundamentals you're hearing from these guys, yeah. their outlook is extraordinary. I stay there. Where in uh, an underperforming sector would you go? 
I think energy actually might, to Tim's point, I mean, it might be time to get. So you're looking, for example, and I know Steve's saying he's 100% right, but Exxon went from 76 in August, held that a number of times, traded up to 89 and a half, failed there after earnings, and back right back down basically to 75 and a half, 76 level. I think if you're looking for ways to trade around it, I think you can trade big integrated oil at these levels. What did we do today, Seabird? I like the home builders. Uh, Dot Horton, I mean, it's an underperformer year to date. I think it's down like 12%. Bought some Doc Horton, and, and, and really, again, biotech is, is a sector that I continue to add to. Grasso, today? Alibaba, I would look to continue to add on this way back up to 200. There's a bunch of price targets that are at 210, 215. It traded down 168. Last sale is 190. I think it makes that big push above 200. Tim? This is a great environment for emerging markets, folks. And, and I also think, you know, NAFTA's still out there, but... Um, Mexico, look, the move in the peso, it actually broke through some key levels today. EWW is a way to play that. At, you know, there's been such a beatdown on Mexico. Uh, they do very well in this environment. Netflix shrugged off a downgrade. I mean, look at the move in Netflix. It's, it's yeah. pretty ridiculous, the kind of moves. Now it's getting to the point of absurdity, but, you know, this absurdity <laughs> can last into April earnings, which is a huh. month and a half from where we are now. So Netflix still works. Coming up, the FANG stocks have been soaring, but the chart master sees something in one name that's got him pressing the sell button. He'll be here to explain. Plus, it was a report heard around Wall Street. Goldman Sachs CEO Lloyd Blankfein could be on his way out the door by the end of the year, according to one report. But Lloyd just took to Twitter and had something to say about that. So is he in or out? Wilfred Frost will be here with the very latest and later. The Bitcoin bear market showing its teeth this week as it broke below $9,000 today. But according to Fundstrat's Tom Lee, a contrary indicator is flashing a buy sign. He will be here. You're watching Fast Money. We're live in New York City's Times Square. We've got much more of the show right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. The Wall Street Journal reporting earlier today that Goldman Sachs CEO Lloyd Blankfein could be out as soon as the end of the year. But reports of his demise may have been a bit premature. Wilfred Cross joins us now with more on the story. What is fact? What is fiction, Wilf? Well, and demise is also not even the, the right word, of course. But <laughs> uh, in the last hour or so, Lloyd Blankfein has, uh, in typically tongue-in-cheek fashion, uh, tweeted to discount those rumors, saying, it's the Wall Street Journal's announcement, not mine. I feel like Huck Finn listening to his own eulogy. Well, I'm sorry, Lloyd, we are going to discuss the uh, thing a little bit further, but under the guise of what happens if he does leave. And there are only two candidates in that scenario. The co-presidents and co-CEOs, Harvey Schwartz and David Solomon. Solomon, 55, has been in the investment bank his entire life and is seen as an excellent man with clients. Harvey Schwartz, 53, came through a sales and trading background to become CFO and uh, is therefore seen as having a much broader background. Gary Cohn, Blankfein's former deputy, who announced he's leaving the White House this week, is not a contender. It'll be interesting to see if the loser of Schwartz and Solomon stays on and who gets promoted to president. Pablo Salame, who has the purest trading background of this bunch, and Marty Chavez, who is CFO and formerly head of technology and very much liked by Blankfein, both have a good chance for a promotion in that circumstance, as do a handful of others there. But it's important to stress, Blankfein goes when he decides... Uh, yes, the betting has perhaps come in a bit recently, but my sources say nothing has changed in the last couple of months. So where we stand today is where we were standing late last year. The market reaction seemed to be very interesting because initially it, it dove almost like momentarily, almost mm -hmm. as if it were some sort of algorithmic trade, then bounced back to the levels it had been at prior to the almost no a reaction in the stock, really? Well, although I'd actually say, although the stock's obviously ended up nicely today, it is down relative to the other banks. This is yeah. a great day for the banks, and you're probably a percent or so behind what JP Morgan and Citi did today. So it's definitely bad news if he goes. 
it was worse news the second it hit because people right. think uncertainty. But, but, you know, I don't think it's the end of the world. It all depends about the planning, how they announce it. Does he stay on chairman for six months? So I think they can manage this when it comes. But again, we're not sure when it comes. But the underperformance today is really... I mean, it's been underperforming year to date, underperforming for the past 12 yeah. months. So I don't know if we could say today it underperformed because of the reports that Gold, uh, Lloyd Blankfein was uh, well, I, again, supposedly I, I am, I am very surprised that, that the stock actually did what it did today if the market for much of that time thought this was legit. We obviously know that this was, as Lloyd said, uh, his premature demise. Yeah. And, and I think that's great for Goldman Sachs because I think he's done a remarkable job. He's had one of the toughest tenures. The question for Goldman is existential. It's ultimately, what, is know, it? what, what, what are they now? Yeah. And, and we hear they're getting into the wealth management business en masse. Obviously, I think they're very heavily involved in digital, and I'm sure they'll be there tomorrow. Retail banking, I mean, with yeah. Marcus. Yeah. Retail banking, but don't discount, you know, Jay Aaron, the Commodities and Currency Group. I mean, I know they've fallen on hard times over the last couple of years, but they will, rein they will reinvent themselves in this environment. Great reporting by Wilf, by the way. It's great to be here. And no jacket required. No too. jacket because I'm trying to be, be uh, fit in with <laughs> fit the guys. Fit in with, the, with but, the crew. I mean, on, on the performance, though, it's interesting. C clearly, last year they disappointed. They, they were up only about 7 or 8%. Some of the others were up high teens. Uh, and it hasn't been a great start to the year. But, but this quarter should be very good for them. Uh, and if you look at all of the big five or six banks, they're one of the only ones that's trading at or below their 10-year average multiple. So they are cheap relative to their own history. And if we do see volatility pick up, this should be a good year for them. So, so it could come back a little bit. Uh, Gary Cohn, you mentioned in your report that Gary Cohn is not a contender. Mm -hmm. For it, sure, 100% out of the game. Very confident of that fact, yeah. I, I think it would be unheard of them for them to bring back someone at that senior level. It's very different, for example, from Dina Powell coming back because she's more of a, a kind of operator. She's not at the senior executive level. It would be an unprecedentedly bad signal for them to send to bring back someone who left a couple of years ago. The reason why there's a little bit of pressure on Lloyd Blankfein relative to, say, Jamie Dimon, is that his two co-presidents below him do want to be CEO and would leave if they felt that's not coming in three years or, or, or quicker's time. That doesn't really apply to Jamie Dimon. If they thought that neither was going to get it by bringing in a Gary Cohn, then the signal it sends not just to those two, but that whole level below it and some others as well, uh, is, means that, that they have a bit of an excess. The reason Lloyd, Mr. Blankfein, might be considering a little bit of when he goes rather than three years or five years of one or two is to make sure that the people below him know there is a future above them. Can I break some news here? We do sure. that on the show, right? What's oh. it, five, six? You know, Daniel Craig, you're familiar with Daniel Craig, good-looking British oh, yeah. guy, plays, plays James Bond. Well, he doesn't want to do it anymore. So the people approached Wilford Frost. <laughs> is that, this is the news. Is this is the news. It's news to Wilford, apparently. Do you know what? But, but what I turned it down. He turned it down. <laughs> why? Turned it down? Oh, why would he do that? Come on, tell the folks better job. why you turned it down. Well, we're going to close in balance there. No, that's oh, far that's better. Well, far better than that's being Bond. <laughs> He's going to closing bell starting on Monday. So you can catch him with Kelly yeah. at 3 p.m. Eastern time. If that ahead was money. true, as much as I love Kelly, and closing bell. I'm afraid I would have taken it. <laughs> <laughs> Smart man, that Wilfred Frost. He tells no lies. <laughs> well, th no lie. Thank you. Have a Pleasure. great weekend. You too. All right, still ahead. Can Wynn survive without Steve Wynn? Our own Contessa Brewer spoke to the new man at the helm, Matt Maddox, about what he's doing to keep the brand afloat. We will hear what he said later this hour. I'm Melissa Lee. You're watching Fast Money on CNBC, first in business worldwide. In the meantime, here's what else is coming up on Fast. Bitcoin had its own personal bear market this week, but according to Bitcoin bull Tom Lee, it might be flashing a secret buy sign. He'll explain. Plus, tech just hit a new high, but one of the FANG members is losing its bite. 
We'll tell you which one and how to profit when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. Bitcoin had a bad week, and that is an understatement. The cryptocurrency crashing more than 20% since Monday. So what happened? Our Bob Pisani is here with the details. Bob. Hi, Melissa. It was one of those weeks. Bitcoin down four days in a row, down about 20% for the week. Since 2010, there have been 23 declines of 20%, and this recent decline of 70% over five days, it's the fifth most severe and the ninth longest. So it's no surprise to see damage to investor sentiment over the past few months. So the latest news is this. We found out who one of the big sellers were in the early part of this year when we saw such a big drop in Bitcoin. The Mt. Gox trustee said they sold $400 million in cryptocurrencies in the past few months. Now, Mt. Gox is, of course, defunct, but it has a trustee in charge of its remaining assets. The sales occurred between December and February and were likely a major factor in the declines that we saw at that time. On February 5th, for example, the trust reportedly sold 18,000 Bitcoin. It dropped about 20% that day. Now, this may not be over. That's part of the problem. The trustee is still in possession of about $1.7 billion in Bitcoin. That's nearly 2% of the outstanding market cap and nearly $200 million in Bitcoin cash. And then we have the head of the Central Bank of China, who reiterated in a press conference overnight that China does not recognize Bitcoin or other digital currencies as a legitimate form of payment. Now, earlier in the week, we saw that the SEC wants cryptocurrency exchanges to register with them, and we saw a federal court rule that cryptocurrencies can be regulated by the CFT as a commodity. In other words, we're seeing a lot more talk of regulation. You put it all together, and even by Bitcoin standards, <laughs> it's been a pretty rough week. Back to you, Melissa. All right. Thank you, Bob Pisani at the New York Stock Exchange. So has Bitcoin bottomed and should you buy it up with the both hands here? Let's ask Fundstrat's Tom Lee. He joins us now on the fast line. Hey, Tom. Hey, how are you? Good. So you've introduced the new Bitcoin misery index. What is it and what is it telling us right now? Uh, this is just think of this index as a way to measure how happy or sad you are owning Bitcoin. Um, so it count, you know, accounts for the win ratio and the volatility. And this thing is telling us that Bitcoin holders are miserable. You know, it's, it's currently at 19. It's ranged between 0 and 100. And it's the lowest reading since August of 2011. Uh, so does that, is it a contrary indicator in your view? Uh, so we took a look and we published it in our research study. Um, yes, it's a very good contrary indicator. The, the, the last four times, this was below 27. So let's say 27 is when you're really miserable. Uh, these were great entry points for Bitcoin. In fact, not a single instance was Bitcoin not up 12 months later. But in the short term, I think it's a signal of pain because obviously if, 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 if you're miserable holding Bitcoin and you get headlines like we've had this week, you can't, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if investors want to get out of Bitcoin. In your study, when you when you took a look back at those past time periods, Tom, you, you mentioned 27 as being sort of the the tipping point there. Uh, how long did the index remain under 27? Is there something to be said for the index remaining below that level and maybe below that level for a reason? Maybe maybe sentiment is so bad and, and there is more to shake out. Since 2009, um, we've had roughly 1,200. Uh, sorry, we've had uh, close to 3,000 days. Only 
34 of those days was the reading below 27. So it is really uncommon to be this miserable owning Bitcoin. Um, but the last couple times was November 2012, September 2016, January 2015, and Bitcoin was higher a month later. So I think, in a way, it's telling us it's very tough to own it for the next week, even two weeks, three weeks. But we're getting through this. And by the way, I'm not 100% positive, but I'm pretty certain the Mt. Gox trustee does not have to return any more fiat currency to the uh, to the former account holders of Mt. Gox. So I think they could be done selling. Okay. Interesting stuff, Tom. Thanks a lot for phoning in and sharing it with us. Tom Lee Thanks. of Fundstrat with the Bitcoin Misery Index. You're an owner of Ethereum. How miserable are you? Uh, I'm fine. I don't own All Bitcoin. Right. Um, and, and I Ethereum, own, though. Yeah, I own Ethereum, and I'm very comfortable there. I, you know, I, first of all, just technically, you know, look at Bitcoin, and it's going to make another test of the 200. It has today, but it's somewhere around 79.80. I, I don't think you touch it until then. And, and I do think technically this, this Tokyo whale is still out there, apparently with more to go. Um, I don't know why you have to jump in here. I, I'm jumping in. I bought more Ethereum today. I mean, I think these levels are incredibly attractive. Uh, you know, I'm not concerned about the regulation. I think the regulation is amazing. I think it's going to bring the adults into the room and allow this, this, this market to really facilitate higher. I, I don't want to have to pick the currency, so I play it with Overstock. Mm-hmm. It's the initial coin offering. They're the only one that's SEC compliant. I think regulation is going to be a huge amount to this game. And I don't want to have to pick the currency, so I play it with OSTK. Time for the final trade on this, this Friday. Tim Seymour. Yeah, again, I think the money center banks are the place to go. Citibank is the cheapest one. Citibank. I like uh, Alexion. ALXN for a trade to about 140 into the second quarter. So you can rent it for a little while. You got about a month to own it. I think it's a buy here. Steve. So Square, it's been good to me thus far. It's actually breaking out above that $50 mark. It's up 13% in a week. I think it goes higher. People can't explain the valuation. I don't care. It's going higher. It's got momentum. I'm still long Square SQ. Uh, I hope you get power back. Yeah, so do I. A lot of after-hours trading on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange with Bob Sotti. It was frantic down there. At I know. Very bit unusual for Friday. Yeah, and you got a big 08 coming up. One That's of the most right. important 08s. You got the whole crew here, don't you? Uh, for the first I'm time in over. many, 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 many weeks. Yeah. Big show. Big show. Netflix. Why? Show why? It's going higher. That's why. All right. That does it for us here on Fast Money. We'll catch you here Monday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. But do not move. Options action starts right after this. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.